Get your smoke on. I'll get your chill on. Let's get these conversations on. Calling on moms and anybody who's living life. The Pop Moms Podcast is here. We got to take care of those bods. The bod app. Let's talk about these bods we've got. Can we first have a thank you to our bods for all of their hard work? Round of applause for the yep. bods. They work so hard. Talk to me about your journey upbringing with nutrition, fitness. What was that like in your household? That's a great question. So growing up, I grew up in the Midwest, obviously, which is a little different than growing up in the Pacific Northwest, which, you know, I'm experiencing with my own kids now. Totally. Growing up, my parents were both active. My mom was I want to say a little bit more active than my dad. My dad, I call him like being conveniently active or um, what do you call it? when Situationally. Exactly. Like he will tell you. Capable of being active. (laughs) He will tell you how he did Al's run, which was a huge run in Milwaukee every year. They would do it. Uh, Like a marathon? Sort of like 5K, 10K, having all of the different races. Okay. But I never really saw him exercising a ton. He would lift weights in our basement. We always had the workout stuff, but it usually was led by my mom. She was always really active. She did triathlons. She worked at the YMCA for a stint doing personal training. She just really, she liked being active. Yeah, that's very active. That part is really cool. We used to go on like long bike rides together. That was really fun. Her cooking, she loved cooking. She still loves cooking. She's an amazing entertainer. I will say that. Uh, So she would cook healthy things very frequently we were eating tofu i think when i was like in middle school grade school which like was in the late 90s early 2000s where tofu wasn't like a big thing in grocery stores (laughs) Tofu was not all the rage it is now no which Yeah. yeah i love tofu now so she, we, I think I was raised pretty healthy yeah. with decent balance. I will say like the one caveat that kind of manifested itself through my youth and my body, you know, the body app, right, uh, was that the narrative of never really being happy with how she looked and always needing to lose 10 pounds. That was, that was her motto. Oh my gosh. We talk- I look great, but I, I really need to lose that 10 pounds. And in my brain, you know, as a kid, you're looking at your mom who is perfection, Yeah, you know, realized and you see a healthy body and then you're like, well, 10 pounds, what's that? What is going to be off of that? So whether or not it was 10 pounds or the notion of never being happy with her body, that kind of stuck with me as we got older. The narrative that her generation was fed. My mom's generation. Yeah. My sister and I talk a lot about when my mom used to say she had thunder thighs. Mind you, my mom was 125 pounds on her wedding day. She's five foot 10. So that's tiny. Like, that's a tiny person. You know, she's very lean. And yet, she still had all of these, you know... Societal norms. Societal, yeah, societal brainwashing that made her say things about herself and her body that, of course, then projected upon us. I was so thin when I look back at photos of myself. And I remember thinking something was wrong with my body and that I wasn't thin enough which is just so insane now when I, you know, have a wildly different perspective on my body than I did growing up. But my parents' dynamic, kind of similar to how you described, except nobody was really 
exercising. No offense, mom and dad, but you know, there was power walking and there was a lot of gardening. My mom is super active and I would say that is real exercise. Right? I hurt my back gardening. It yeah. is hard. <laughs> it's hard. We spent the entire day doing yard work yesterday. I feel like I did a serious yoga power class. So yard work is exercise. They do say that people do who garden live an average of 14 years longer. So I'm never going to die then. You're, you're going to live forever, girl. <laughs> you will live forever. But so, you know, she was exercising in that way, but nobody was going to a gym. My dad was always overweight as I knew him with this massive glorification of his wildly athletic youth. So he would talk about his baseball days. He had like trophies and things from that chapter because he was a lefty. So he was good. A big deal. Well, easier to be good when you're a left-handed baseball player, you know, but he was very fit in all these photos of him. But then I only knew my dad as like very overweight businessman who drinks a lot of wine and lives his best life. And which, you know, which bothered him exactly 0% versus the narratives of our mothers. Yeah, my dad. Well, and I think as a man, you know, people celebrate that. You're like, you're successful. You're enjoying the spoils of your riches. We love this for you. Whereas women, they're like, you are successful. You better look flawless. Get to work on that bond. Tracy Anderson 101. Oh my gosh. I don't know who Tracy Anderson is. Uh, my mom used to listen to record players, like records. Oh, Like is she on a, a record player she a, of a workout video. Oh. No, <laughs> workout videos, just like tapes, just like how they're DVD, oh God, how yeah. they were DVDs. She would listen and do like a step class. What was that to, machine that? Oh, sorry. Go the ahead. The thigh master. Oh, the thigh master. Yeah. Who was that? Who made that? Because uh, I remember I her. I know. I me too. Know. Brooke Shields. Somebody. Someone beautiful in the eighties. Yeah. Exactly right. Well, anyways, so there was there was definitely a lot of push and pull between my parents. My mom wanting to be healthier, wanting to eat healthier, do healthier things. My dad wanting to party rock at all times. It is ultimately the dichotomy that still exists in my brain. Only now in my 30s, I feel like I have kind of mastered the balance, if you will. I feel very healthy right now. I feel very vibrant, which is like ultimately my goal. I want to be able to feel like I can easily take care of my son and I can easily take care of myself. And I'm not drained and exhausted by every photo session I do carrying all my equipment. And, you know, so but it took a long time to get there. I totally agree with that. I would say this is the first time in my life when I do feel the balance a little bit more. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is through trial and error, if I'm being totally honest. Did you do sports in high school? I did do sports in high school. So I played sports. I joke from like the minute that I came out of my mother's womb. I started playing soccer when I was four. I played hardball with the boys up until, well, I joke, I grew boobs, but like, let's be honest, you are looking at me right now. <laughs> I have the chest of a teenage, no, not even teenage boy, a like 10 year old boy. And yeah. that's fine. Super happy with it. Another thing I came to terms with, thank you, Victoria's Secret. I know. Oh my gosh. And someday we'll talk about all the things in our bodies that while we were young, we had a hard time with. And now I love my tiny boobs. Yep. But I love on. them too. I love them too. So... I would say that soccer, soccer, uh, I loved playing hardball. I was a catcher. I loved playing like baseball baseball for girls. Yeah. No, I played with the boys because there was only softball. I played softball too. So I did both of them. And then I played, uh, in high school, I did golf. I swam. I played soccer. 
and I played basketball. So very athletic foundation. Yes, love athletics. I love competition. I love sports. Like sports is a great outlet for me before I found like regular exercise. Yeah. Because you, when you're younger, you're not like, I'm going to go for a mile run. You're like, I have soccer practice. Today. Yeah, totally. Now tell me, did you do sports into college? So I started and then I don't know if similar to you, it became hard to manage, right? It's the first time in your life where you are in charge of your own schedule, in charge of feeding yourself fully. Totally. So I worked at the, I went to University of Dayton for one year. And during that time, I worked at the gym on campus. Oh, nice. Okay. I didn't use it a ton, but I used it more because I was there so often working. Yeah. But Aside from that, I stopped playing sports other than intramural when I went to college because it just, it became too hard between working, being in class. And I had a, I had a vibrant social life. I did not have a ton of downtime. I loved drinking. Like I loved it. (laughs) It was so much fun. Big same. Yeah. And you know, in, so high school, I kind of fizzled out with sports admittedly along the timeline of when I started smoking weed. And I don't think that they were, you know, as a direct result. Yes. I don't think that it was directly because I started smoking weed that I stopped playing sports. I think that I had been in resistance with team sports ultimately because of men, because of boys. I did this competitive. So I was in, um, select soccer. I was looking for the word there. Select soccer and select basketball and then continued to play both into high school. And by sophomore year, I was, my priorities were different and I was insecure with boys watching me exercise. And I no longer was in it for being good at sports. I was in it for the social aspect and reason, you know, Reasons Reasons it doesn't make to continue playing sports for a long time unless you're looking for the next step. And ultimately in my personality, I like to be great at things that I do. And I wasn't as good as other people. You know, I wasn't the best. It makes it less fun. Yeah. I'm like, if I'm not the best, I don't want to keep doing it. And you know what? I am the best at smoking weed. So let's do more of that. It's true. You know, I just, and there was no future, right? Right. I wasn't going to go to college to play sports. It was more about continuing to exercise and the mental health benefits, which at the time I wish I had prioritized a little bit better. I think right now I exercise almost exclusively for the mental health benefits. Whereas in high school and then into college, my exercise was entirely body oriented. I want to continue to look good. I want to continue to be thin, you know, metrics that we now know are not sustainable or just healthy, uh, healthy. Right. And May I remind everyone listening, the mental health benefits of exercise are immediate. When we talk about exercise in a way that eliminates people who don't already look like they've been going to the gym for a year or years or their life or whatever, then you leave out all these people who could see the benefits of exercise the day they do it, the day they start in the mental health range, in the sleep quality range, you know, arena. Um, So I think that is, you know, now where I focus my exercise energy. Well, and it's interesting too, when you think about what was a big turning point for me is how I reacted when I was really healthy from an exercising perspective. 
how my body handled alcohol differently, totally. how my body handles weed differently, how I handle the munchies differently. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's really interesting how, because alcohol, cannabis, all these things at some point are a crutch totally. for something. They have benefits, don't get me wrong, but in a lot of ways, it's a crutch. It's a coping band-aid. It's a coping band-aid. And that was really eye-opening for me. I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't want to not even couldn't. I didn't want to continue drinking at the rate that I was when I felt healthy for, or I was putting a ton of work into making good times running or improving my biking or any of it. So it got to a point where that kind of did steer my direction or trajectory of when I was consuming. With substances. Yeah. That's interesting. You bring that up because we just came off of two weeks sobriety challenge after vacay. And of course, drank for Cinco de Mayo And when you are taking care of your body and then you come back to these coping mechanisms in whatever capacity, you realize just how horrifically they're impacting your body. Alcohol, most specifically for me personally. But, you know, we had, I had what, three half glass margaritas, which comparatively to what drunk Natalie used to drink is none. And I felt shagged the next day, like absolutely shattered, ravaged. It was rough. And it's just a reminder that, oh yeah, I just poisoned myself, you know, and you forget, you don't think about it that way. But when you are prioritizing your health and wellness and then you dip back in, you're like, oh yeah, this is not good at all. It does not feel good for my bod. Yeah. I mean, I think about when I got out of the bar scene, like, I mean, a lot of it was not, was working in it and then not working in it. Did you have a job as a bartender? Yes. And I loved it. Like similarly to college sports or not college sports, high school sports, sports all around. I love bartending. It's social. I get to do things with my hands. I get to, you know, I could draw pictures in the Guinness top. Like I loved it. Oh my gosh. I was a bartender for five whole minutes at my (laughs) college. And it's so funny because I, I think many people would have thought that would be a wonderful career directory trajectory for me for the exact same reasons. But I got fired almost immediately because it was the bar on my college campus and we did not, you had to ID everybody, no matter who they were, you could not make assumptions about age. And I did not ID my like 60 something year old teacher. Stop. And lost my job. I mean, they were looking for an excuse to hire me, fire me probably because I was not taking the job very seriously. I was there for the social aspect, certainly, but Still, we'll do an episode about work. We'll get into that later. But anyways, so back to our fitness goals, though. So you loved bartending. Yep. You were still taking care of your body while you were doing that, though, right? So like no, the drinking- God, no. Oh, God. This <laughs> okay. is, no, this was in college. That was just oh. the garbage shoot times. Yeah. No, just kidding. I was I was aesthetically working out, yeah. right? So that you knew it was, oh, I'm going to work out really hard because I know I'm going to go out and then it's going to be a shit ton of calories that I'm consuming. Yeah. And then like, it was definitely not healthy. I mean, I wouldn't say it wasn't healthy because exercise, you know, for all intents and purposes is a healthy thing to do. Yeah. The mental aspect of it was not the healthiest. Well, the fact that you were maintaining exercise in those rage days, I find commendable because I was not, I was, I mean, my body was moving a shit ton, dancing at shows Thursday through Sunday, every single weekend, basically, the occasional weekday, whatever. But I was never going to a gym. I tried my first hot yoga classes in college, but they never really stuck. I was mostly just reliant on genetic thinness and dancing. Yeah. 
which is exercise, guys. So, you know, don't leave Zumba out. It's a good alternative. Dance it out. I know. And ultimately, I feel like that is another key message that I want to remind people of is you can move your body in so many different ways to reach the goals of the mental wellness and the overall wellness. What is very imperative is that you find a way that exercises you to exhaustion and or sweat. You will sleep so much better. You will process everything so much better. You will just like feel so much better about yourself. I mean, the psychologist that I'm obsessed with, who we'll chat more about his stuff, but his name is Dr. Phil Stutz. And he says that 85% of all of your problems go away when you exercise and sleep eight hours and eat nutritious food. Isn't it funny, though, how we as people in society now look for anything but that? Because for, again, those two things are free. Yeah, right? We're just consumerist, you know? We're All the messaging we get is like, if you buy this thing, if you go to this place, if you change this X, Y, Z everything will be better. Really? You just got to run your ass around and then everything will be better. And I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for it too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I have tried so many different powders, so many different, and not in the spirit of replacing exercise or anything like that, just more as like complimentary. Totally. But then I almost wonder like, what is it doing? Because the basis of doing it is the whole point of exercising, whether it be getting out for a walk, jumping on the trampoline with your kids. Like again, it doesn't have to look the same way of going to the gym, lifting a bunch of heavy things. Um, But I really love how, and something that I guess has helped like heal me from the body issues that we've kind of touched about regarding growing up, always having this mindset of my mom's body needing to lose 10 pounds, thus my body being, you know, a similar, similar to hers, always needing to lose that. Uh, I really appreciate now seeing more people on the internet going from stick thin to super fit or being like, no, I'm happy 20 pounds heavier. It's normalizing it in a way that I think is long overdue, but I think it's empowering for a lot of people who don't, you know, look the way that the media has portrayed healthy. I know. Well, and I think that concept is such a myth we know now, right? Right. Body types are so different, no matter the exercise, you know, I, I mean, ultimately I think diet is really the crux of everything, regardless of body type, regardless of exercise, what you put into your body is going to be the biggest factor in how your body outwardly presents. And I think people don't like to talk about that either because it's a gray area. The wellness, the wellness movement and the body positivity movement, all of those things now I think have gone to this place where everybody's a little bit sensitive about talking about some of those foundational, well, anything, right? But I think, you know, we want to say there's all these different body types and there's all these different things, which there are, of course, and also nutrition heavily impacts body size and Americans love to sidestep that concept. But if you look at the other places on earth where we do not experience obesity the way that, you know, or where you do not see obesity the way that you see it in America, I think it all comes down to nutrition, you know. And nutrition being less of the amount because I think the nature of how our foods have changed yeah, 
and the processed nature. I honestly, and I will say this until the day I die, balance and moderation are a key factor. Yeah. I'll never tell you to not eat fast food. We will do it too sometimes. It's just sometimes, right? Not every day, every meal. Well, and I think also there's an even higher level in the chain of issues here that is accessibility and equitability oh my gosh 100% that also though I was going to say just like the chemicals and hormones that are in our food that you know there are thousands of things that food cannot have in the European Union that are still FDA approved here that we know to be toxic we know to be carcinogens you know so we what we are eating is not good for our body unless it is grown whole food and to your point about accessibility so many people don't have access to it don't have the education around it nobody's talking about that it's so expensive i know i mean they i'm sure they are talking about it in schools i hope right no another blanket statement that i love to say no i think that yeah one thing i that i appreciate so like end all be all how i'm making sure to either break the cycle of talking about my body negatively. Like I heard my mom talking about it negatively and I don't even think she realized she was doing it. I know. Which is the craziest Because her mom did it too. It's all all these women and their conversations around bodies. I mean, the magazines were saying have a vodka diet and whatever, you know. There's just so much evidence about generation after generation of this body trauma that hopefully our generation is kind of dispelling. But I was going to ask you, your kids' experience in school, are they talking about that in health class now? So something that I really like is that they had a unit on looking at a nutritional label. Okay. And understanding that. That's smart. Where we've talked in the past about a baseline of adulting that we would ideally like our kids to learn while in school. I do think that's a good cornerstone because then... Looking at something and understanding added sugars, understanding saturated and unsaturated fats, having a basis of understanding that will create a common level of understanding for the next generation. And I am grateful with that. I We have conversations about why they can't eat all of their Easter candy in one sitting or why moderation is best or why we eat, you know, our vegetables first so that we don't fill up on milk or whatever yeah. it is that they're doing. Um, but all that to say, those conversations, I think, are important to have. And, and if you mostly- don't have a basis for that knowledge then how do you start having that conversation? Totally. And I was going to say, I feel like you're mostly having those conversations at home. Mm-hmm. And then... When they get mainstream, that's where you'll see ideally some more change as far as what we allow in our foods. I'm also, I just keep, the optimist in me keeps hoping that once boomers are no longer in charge of things, millennials are the bosses of things. Whatever, whoever is in charge of the FDA (laughs) nutritional labeling, you know, ideally our generation all knows these things or it feels like common knowledge but maybe it feels like common knowledge to me because I was raised in the Pacific Northwest yes and that's what I was gonna say is we're in a little bit of a forward-thinking nutritional bubble yeah I actually feel that now that I think back to because I think about if you take us if you take the Pacific Northwest if you take California out of it 
I'll even say some of the East Coast Colorado. too. Colorado's Colorado, for active. sure. Utah, some of these places. And there's going to be exceptions to this norm. So like, just totally. Bear shut with up, you. shut up, Kate. <laughs> but if you look at how nutrition is in different, like state to state, right? Yeah. Like in the South, in the Midwest, in, you know, in the South, like Florida, you know, different, different places. There's just different, you eat differently. Totally. And so I think we are in a bit of a bubble, which I hate to say, like, I do really like that aspect about it here because it's nice that more people care about what's going into their bodies or like CSAs are a huge thing here, like crop share. Uh, So I, I like that. I think there's a lot of really good options out there, but again, it's not equitable. It's not something that you can break down for a per cost. That's going to be beneficial to someone who needs assistance. Totally. Oh yeah, I know. And we talk to me about supplements. We use a lot of supplementation, even though we eat lots of whole foods, again, like being in this bubble where we are prioritizing it so much that not only do we try to not eat processed foods and only eat whole foods, but then we also drink green vibrance in our shakes, which has 25 billion probiotics and greens. And there's some type of root that cleanses your liver and all of this stuff that is supposedly so beneficial. Leon also drinks it, even though just because he wants it and yells more juice anytime he sees us have some, who knows if that's good for a baby to be having, or he'll just be a super healthy little baby. But, you know, I think how much of that is actually necessary and how much of that is the marketing that tells us to buy something to change our lives and fix it and... I try to take that approach of if it's a placebo, but it still makes me feel better. Green light. Yeah. So it's not, I've tried a lot of different things I've done. I mean, I do rise mushroom coffee. Oh yeah. I use right now I'm finishing, but I don't know if I'm going to reorder it. Um, it's called, uh, Armra or I'm going to get the name wrong. Um, but it is a bovine, like, Oh, Bovine yeah, collagen peptides? Um, no, not quite. Not well, quite. I'm drinking the spoiled child collagen that I, I'm i sure you've seen it on Instagram. Yes, totally. I, I've used spoiled child before. <laughs> I was totally. say, if you haven't seen it yet, they're listening right now, so you're going to start getting the ads. But I got influenced by them, and the reviews were just so glowing that I felt like I needed to give it a go. And I had done Vital Proteins collagen powder in the past, And it was just making my protein shakes taste weird. So then I was going to have to do it as a separate shake, which that's too many shakes for this mom. I can't handle more than my one already. So now I've been drinking the spoiled child collagen and I have been doing that for almost two months. And my skin is so much better. Like my pores are smaller. Two people on FaceTime this week were like, you are glowing. I was like, I'm literally glowing. I suppose I could already be knocked up, but probably not yet. So I think it's the collagen glow. I really like collagen, like period. I have taken some called Biyum. I really liked that. The stuff that I was trying to find before, it was it's called Armra and it's bovine colostrum superfood. Interesting. Okay. So I it doesn't have dairy in it. I mean, obviously, aside from the fact that it comes from the colostrum of cows, they take the lactose out, which is the thing that affects anyone who can't process dairy. Yeah. One of the things. So I've taken that. I like doing that after like a really hard workout. If I need some sort of like help from my gut, if I have had an exposure to wheat, I will go ahead and, and do that as like a yes. tonic. But I mean, it tastes like really watery skim milk. Like that's it, it tastes like if you've tasted your own breast milk. That's exactly what it tastes like. Interesting. 
Remind me, so you are celiac. Yep. Have you always been, or is that adult? I don't I don't know because the testing was non-existent oh, yeah. when I was younger, but I found out when I was 19. Did you feel bad as a kid? Like physically? Were you... I was so busy and I was yeah. so not present that like I don't know. Yeah. I don't okay. even know how to answer it. Yeah. I know that I remember when I started feeling so bad that it wouldn't like it wouldn't go away or it was it was persistent and I used to be able to kill an entire cheese pizza by myself, loved it. And then all of a sudden I could have one slice and my, I would just get so bloated. My stomach would be so big where I was already scattered. And I can't remember at the time if I was medicated or not. It was even more so. It was like less scattered in the ADHD way and more of just having a consistent brain fog. Have you eaten gluten in Europe? No. Interesting. Okay. So that was like pop mom's paradise. We need to go to Europe because that is apparently many people do not experience their same symptoms of celiac or otherwise in Europe than they do here. People theorize that's a glyphosate allergy and not actually a gluten allergy. Perhaps again, these chemicals, things that we allow in our food system that Europe does not. And in my experience as a person who loves like a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine. I could, I mean, not so much anymore now that I drink much less, but for a time that would be Natalie's meal of choice, carbs, some cheese and some wine. And it does not historically make me feel great here. I could eat wine and cheese and bread for a 10 day straight Europe trip and feel amazing. I have heard that. My own doctor said that to me, that you could probably go to Italy, eat pasta, and have no problem because it's how we've changed molecules in bread. I know, which is so disappointing. Can we, who's in charge here? If anybody's listening who has pull at the FDA, can you sort us out? I want European bread. That's the hard part, though, with all of these changes. And I'm not going to segue into climate change, but it's similar, right? We all totally. don't like it, but no one wants to give up the niceties. Yeah. No, And I get that because when I buy gluten-free bread, it's like $100. I know. <laughs> well, and change is just glacial. I think right now we're in the chapter of this change, which will you know take 20 years to take some to make a large, substantial societal change in a population this large is like a decades long journey. And we're in the part of that transition where conversations like this are being normalized. More people that you encounter, at least where we live, are talking like this about whole foods and avoiding processed things and chemicals in your food and all of that. And I think once everybody is talking about that, then you have about another 10 years before any actual legislative change occurs. I mean, ideally you'd hope all these things would happen faster, but they, they never don't. do. You know, they don't. And I think what's interesting too is so the problem with these companies starting out this way, I'm going to use RX bars for an example. Okay. So my husband has always been one who reads the back of labels. Right. I try to eat more non labeled things yeah. so that I don't have to because then they only make sense to me to a point. Yeah. So what do you mean non-labeled things like fruits and yes, vegetables? Exactly. Oh, good, good, exactly. Good, okay. Yeah. Um, but I also don't need as much intake as he does. And especially yeah. when he's training, then he's got to take protein into account, all of those things. So he was always a really big fan of RX bars. Okay. Because they didn't have added sugar. They mm. really tried to keep it decently clean. Obviously, introducing egg whites into a granola bar or a meal supplement bar, something like that was was newer, yeah. right? 
come then he bought the new he there's a new version called rx am or amrx whatever it is it has like 12 grams of added sugar in it and i think like the conversation we had about it was really how companies can set out with this ethos of wanting to do it but at some point if you get bought out if you have to scale the decisions that you have to make because we are such a consumer driven society totally impact that ethos which i hate oh it's so disappointing (laughs) i hate that it's such a letdown yeah oh my gosh it is so disappointing you bring up your husband and training my husband also is very active he's currently training for triathlon season that was a very intentional choice of mine after having watched my parents in their constant struggle of my dad not prioritizing his wellness and his fitness and my mom wanting to I actually broke up with somebody who I had a wonderful relationship with. I totally could have seen him as a life partner. We were best of friends, had so much fun, but he wasn't taking care of his body at all. And I went to visit him. He was, you know, from the South. I went to visit him in Texas and the trip afterwards, I just realized that I was going to be in that same dichotomy. And maybe that was unfair of me or projecting my youth on it. But ultimately, I felt resistance from that minute forwards, and it ended the partnership and ended the relationship because I felt like it would be so important because I'm so easily influenced by the drive to drink and the drive to eat and party and whatever that I needed a partner who prioritized that. Then, of course, I found Trevor who like exercises for fun. His family does, you know, competitive racing, triathlons, marathons, all of those things, which never in a million years did I see for myself. But now it, you know, I have this very active dog because of Trevor, which I put a bunch of resistance on and then he got anyways. And, you know, now I love cross so much, but all of these things that our lives revolve around now because of that partner choice that I like to remind people in my coaching, when I'm doing relationship coaching for people, the choice of your partner is going to so heavily impact your wellness, your physical health in the longevity of your life. And you obviously see that. You have a partner who's super active too, yeah? Yeah, I don't think people want to realize that when they're dating. I know. And when they're looking at what they want in a partner. Yeah. Because it is, it's a lot harder. I 100% can accredit my now love of exercising. I don't want to say, because I we talked about being active, right? I was yeah. active my whole youth through sports, but it was always rooted in sports because I need to have some sort of obligation or accountability in yeah, those situations. Totally. When the pandemic hit, I had a really hard time transitioning to in-home workouts because I loved leaving the house, leaving work, leaving whatever was my normal day-to-day routine to seek out this workout. Yeah. So I had a hard time with that. My husband has always been incredibly self-motivated. I mean, it has like, he's lost a hundred pounds from it. I mean, he has literally, he has the determination and mindset I could never even aspire to, but it's very motivating for me because I see him after we both have had similarly stressful days or long weekends. And he's like, all right, you know, new week. No one cares. Try harder. No, he's going to kill me for getting it wrong. (laughs) Nobody cares. Work harder. Yeah. Okay. David Goggins, we love you. (laughs) When Kate and I first met, we realized not only were we so similar, but our husbands are very similar. And I saw on your husband's Instagram that quote that no one cares. Work harder, which my husband has on a shirt. And I, of course, think it's the dumbest shirt ever because I'm like, if nobody cares, why would you work harder, you big idiot? But. 
you know, his upbringing was very different. He's like, yeah, nobody cares. And you're still going to work hard. You go push yourself. I'm like, okay, you, you know, different mindset. Now you mentioned that Mike lost a hundred pounds. Yeah. Was he exercising when he was a hundred pounds heavier or was it was post-college? Oh, wow. Okay. He's very tall though, right? Very tall. Yeah. Six, four. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you, of course, are teeny tiny bite size. Yeah, like five, two. Yeah. Very different body mass breakdown. Yeah. 100%. And I, I mean, I will say I'm, I'm really grateful that his focus on it has come, I guess, rubbed off on me in this way because it it would make it so much harder. I feel, I do truly feel like my life would be completely different if I was with someone who didn't prioritize it and probably not for the good. Totally. I mean, it's very hard. I just described a moment ago, you know, it's so hard to have one person in the partnership who, so I, you know, coming back to this dichotomy of my parents, my dad has a stint in his heart and he has had various cardiovascular situations, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all the things that come from a long life of not taking care of yourself as an adult. And I should throw my dad a bone here. He got in a horrific car accident before I was born. He was hit by a drunk driver, you know, surgeries, plates in his body, all sorts of things that ultimately made it impossible for him to that makes it tough exercise, you know, I, I mean, exercise the way that he once did. And I think when you're a person who had a groove of a very, you know, very active life and also like a naturally athletic build. And then you have some massive thing interrupt that. Getting back to that place, you know, especially the way that life was at the time of this where men were, you know, he was working so much. My mom was the one taking care of most of the household things. He was constantly working. You know, they're just exercises. The one thing to go taking care of yourself is the first thing that people always drop in every single way of life. As you become a mom, as you become a parent, as you continue throughout all of these milestones in your life, you hit the nail on the head with it. The first thing to go is self-care when in actuality, that's one of the most important things. I know. And I think about all of the people who feel stressed and overwhelmed and overworked and of course, then the opposite of that is you want to just lay there and do nothing and, you know, scroll, zone out. But if instead you moved your body, all of that stress would dissipate and the overwhelm would dissipate because you have so much more energy to focus on these things that are making you overwhelmed. And it's it's the cycle. But when you're in the cycle, no one else can tell you to get out of it with no. exercise. You and know? you wouldn't listen either. Exactly. Because you the hardest part, I honestly don't even think that the hardest part is the exercise. The hardest part is the consistency. I know. The hardest part is getting up and doing it and going out there. And I really appreciate one person in particular's view of this. It's Seth Rogen, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Smith of Jay and Silent Bob and many, many other things, Mallrats, Clerks, whatever, he said that one thing that he that broke a myth for him on stoners and productivity was Seth Rogen because he was so constantly doing things. And what he said essentially is that you have to put yourself in motion. Totally. If you if you smoke and then you sit on the couch, yes, that's going to be what you do. But if you smoke weed and go out for a run or if you smoke and then do gardening or insert whatever hobby is yours here, it's the intent 
prior to doing that that I think makes the situation complementary when using cannabis. And that really oh. kind of goes back to what your coach had said around it amplifying where you're at. So if you're 100%. in a, a, a mindset where you're not going to do anything or, if you, you know, you're not going to be active, you're not. Yeah. It's not going to be a get up and go situation. It's going to be something that makes you sit down and stay. But if you can get ahead of that and have a plan that changes the dynamic of its use, in my opinion. And I think that also requires some intentionality. So for me, I have a sativa cartridge and an indica cartridge. And I know that when I'm trying to do things, but I want to consume cannabis, there's only one cartridge for me and it's that green baby. And I can hit that and then go be productive and then go do my yard work, then do whatever. But if I hit that blue pen, your girl is chilling and watching some Ted Lasso and having a snooze or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, and my brain totally knows that differentiation, whether or not there is an actual physical difference, which, you know, there is, I'm sure. But I think more of it now is just my mentality of when I pick up the green one, I know that I'm still in motion. I'm still doing things. When I pick up the blue one, that is like an end of day. I am resting and checking out. And I also am lucky that I have found a novel means of exercise that I feel like I can incorporate anytime, you know, we have a wonderful yoga studio where yeah, tell the me schedule about your, is great. Your routines. My routine now. Yeah, well, that's a good lead-in because I do think that finding a type of group exercise, the data will show is the most effective in maintaining consistency. So if you find some type of novel group exercise class online or not, you know, it doesn't have to be in person, but some type of commitment that more than just you are doing, you are so much more likely to keep doing it. And that has rang true for me. When I found Juicy, it is the first time in my adult life that I have had something consistent that I desperately want to go do, that I miss when I'm not doing it, that I think about and get excited to go do you know, and that for me is so important with maintenance because when I was just doing insanity on the Beachbody membership online, the minute I moved out of my apartment building and was no longer doing it with my neighbors, guess who stopped exercising? This girl. And I've lost 30 pounds since then. I mean, I had a child, so then, you know, but postpartum, well, I've lost 30 pounds from the weight I was when I got pregnant with Leon. And I actually lost, I want to say like 10 or 15 pounds when I first got pregnant because I stopped smoking weed sick. and drinking wine. And you Mine know, was because I was sick, but <laughs> well, and I went to, I went to the midwife with Trevor and they weighed me and, you know, a look of panic kind of went on both of the gals faces that like, oh, you've lost weight. This isn't good. And Trevor was like, oh no, no, don't worry. She used to smoke weed every single day. And I was like, okay, relax, Trevor, not every single day, but he's not wrong. There was a lot of weed smoking, cheese board eating, wine drinking that is no longer happening. And naturally you can see that. So my body kind of recalibrated a little bit. Then of course went up in the process of creating life as it does. And then I still did not consistently exercise beyond having a very active dog, which requires at least an hour, if not two, of quick walking at minimum per day. But beyond that, I was doing no actual like intentional weight exercise, exercising to the point of sweat and exhaustion, which I now know to be so imperative for my mental health. And then I was getting my nails done with, by a gal named Leslie who goes to our studio 
and mentioned that I was getting married. And she was like, oh, girl, you have got to go to Jutsu Power Yoga. It's right up the street. It's going to change your life. And I thought, you know, now is the time to start doing something. And this was March of last year. So I just had my year anniversary. Uh, And I mean, it completely changed my life. I've been going ever since at least once a week, if not four times a week. And that's how we met ultimately too. So Juicy has changed my life in a million different ways. I love it. I, um, my routine has, has kind of varied a little bit over the years, but has maintained similar consistencies. So I, I was a, I was at twist yoga before this. Ooh. Okay. Um, but then once I was there probably for like a good two years, but then when the pandemic went down, I, I can't do online yoga classes. Yeah. I can like sometimes do a really quick one if it's like yoga with Adrian and I'm doing like a targeted, you know, for typing at your computer. Yeah. Yoga. But other than that, I really, I thrive in a class situation for that. Um, my two things for my workouts are always um, accountability. And then I want to, I don't want to say shame does it, but maybe uh my ego has to get involved for me to really work my ass off. You know, that's why I love a group class. Yes, totally. And my ego more is like, my ego comes in when I'm like, oh my God, when I start seeing results, that kind of fuels it. Cause I'm like, yeah. oh, holy shit, we could do some stuff with this. <laughs> so like I run, I would say between three and five days a week. Wow. In the mornings when I'm not going to the 6am yoga class, I run with, um, between three and four other women down on the Burke Gilman, on, oh, nice. which is a trail in Seattle. So it is still kind of a group thing for you though, the running too. Yeah, it okay. is. It really is. And then I do, I go to juicy yoga as well. Shout out to juicy. Um, I'm really particular about which teachers that I will go see though, because yeah. every time that I'm carving out for myself, for my workout is time that is taking away from being productive in other areas, be it my work, be it at home, whatever it is. So I really want it to count. So I, I will try everyone once and I will stick with the people who really, I think have the kind of class that I'm specifically looking for. So I'll do that. Usually I think I hit at least four a week. Oh, on a great. good week. I would say I also, I mean, absolute minimum, I'm doing three a week nowadays. So, yeah. because I try to do the strength classes basically so exclusively. Good. So I do Juicy mm. Strong on Tuesday and Thursday, and then I do the Strong on Saturday that we go to together. The Strong on Saturdays. Yeah. Really Which, and so for you guys listening, this strength class is basically a HIT workout, high intensity interval training with weights. Yeah. And there is, of course, yoga recovery in between, but the it's matri- hard. I would say the majority of the class is really a hit power workout, which is what I love so much about it. And when I go to the other yoga classes, I really see the difference in how much more in shape I am now than when I started because they, for lack of a better word, feel easy. You know, like an hour long, 60 minute power, heated power class feels manageable. I don't feel super sweaty at the end the way that I used to. Whereas, you know, 10 minutes into Michelle's class, I'm sweating and haggard. And that's, I think, the HIT training of it all, where it's it's more high intensity. And it's funny that you mentioned HIT. So I did my first Orange Theory class. Ooh, recently? Yeah, Friday. Oh, So I did that on Friday. I ran on Thursday. I did that on Friday. And then Saturday, I did the class that we had been talking about, the yoga lift class. And I really liked it. Um, I'm doing a 20-mile trail run in the summer. 
And mm-hmm. so what I need to work on is the recovery after hills or inclines with mm-hmm. just slowing my pace down. And mm-hmm. I'm not the type of person who can just be like, okay, now we're just going to run faster. Like for whatever yeah. reason, my body's like, well, we can just keep going this pace. Yeah. So there's that disconnect. But what I really like about Orange Theory is it's very like, beep, boop, I'm pushing buttons and I'm, my body's just responding to it versus having that internal dialogue of back and forth. Should I, shouldn't I, whatever. So the class I took was three minutes of rowing, which is fine. I, I like rowing enough. I don't yeah. want to do it for an hour, but I, I don't have any you know disposition for that. Then we went over to the weight station and we did five different types of exercises in a row. I don't know. It was probably five minute blocks, maybe. This is also a group class? A group class, cool. exactly. Okay. And then treadmill. Treadmill was all intervals. So it was like you had a base, you had a stretch base, and then you had like an all out. So like my stretch base was like a, between, I'd say a five point, my, my base was about a five. My stretch was a 6.5. And then my all out was either, I'd say between a seven and a half and an eight. And then it was on various inclines up to a five incline, which I liked because then it was, it was running the whole time. Even when it was yeah. the base, you know, it was slower. And I really appreciate that because it helps me remember that when I, I don't have to stop to rest. Yeah. I can keep going. I can just taper it back. And so I think that's going to be really beneficial in my training. So now I'm trying to see if I work that in once a week. Do you smoke weed before you run? If I am going for like a leisure run, I so I don't do it in the morning, like because yeah. that would be me smoking like five thirty well, in the totally. morning, and so I I don't do anything there. Um, but if I'm going out for a random run in the afternoon, I might. Yeah, I guess or that was like more a of a Saturday, a Saturday, like I guess before I started doing Michelle's class, I would sometimes do that. Yeah. So when I go for more of a leisure run, I would say yeah, but when I'm doing my my traditional, more traditional workouts, I really don't. Yeah, I was wondering, the reason I actually asked is more of like a, can you still run yeah. while high? Because for me, I I feel like when I have smoked weed before yoga, I just can't balance in the same way. No, I can't either. Yeah. and yet, I have a fun time with it. I, I accept say, my flaws a lot more. I still do it sometimes. Just because when I'm going to a noon class and I've worked all morning and then I want like some marker to differentiate, like I'm no longer working, hit my pen, go get ready, go to yoga. And then, you know, it's, it seems like a regular workout because if you only hit the pen once by the time you get there, you know, you're like, I'm basically normal again. It's fine. No big deal. But I do feel like it heavily impacts my balance, but I don't notice it at all cardiovascularly, if that's a word, or uh, as far as, you know, my lung abilities. But I feel like running, that would be a very different circumstance where it might just impact the way you're able to breathe if you're, but I don't know, maybe your lungs are just so conditioned because you're a goddamn I think, (laughs) I mean, I think the, if I was running less and then smoking weed and then running, if I was doing it once a week, I think that would be tougher, but I don't notice anything. I honestly like smoking a little bit before if I'm doing the stationary bike. Oh yeah. That I, I find it to be more enjoyable. Um, and then lifting, I really enjoy lifting while a little bit stoned, but I think an important differentiator too, is I don't really smoke the pen a lot. Oh, I yeah. do that at, like we brought it down to Mexico when we were there. Cause I was just, didn't want to dick around with bringing flour and I wanted to be respectful of who we were with, but 
I really, I like flour. Yeah. So I'll either pack a very small bowl, take a hit or two, mm-hmm. or take a little bit off of like an old joint that I didn't finish. It's very minimal though. Like it's not to the point, it's almost as you said it, it's a marker for my brain to switch off from what it was doing and refocus on what I'm doing now. Yeah. So it's less, it's less getting high. And more like coming back to presence. Yes, exactly. Totally. Yeah, interesting. That's actually a good point. I feel like, for me now, if I want to like get high, I'm doing more of like an edible experience or something that's more monumental consumption wise, I guess, than what I normally do, which is just like a quick hit of the pen as a, you know, changer of activities. Um, but yeah, all this to say that moderation is so critical because if you are exercising a lot and consuming a lot, Ideally, you're not going to feel the impacts in the same way. And that's our hope for our long-term health is that we do all of these other things in balance with our consumption of cannabis to ultimately live a long and healthy life and not see any repercussions later. But I guess we'll find out. Right. So I guess a question to the audience, what do you do? Do you smoke before you work out? Do you have any tips that you now hearing our routines? Are there any things that you have questions about? Is there anything that you do differently? Is there anything where you're like, no, I've tried this way. It doesn't work with the caveat of everybody's body is different. Everybody's mind's different. Everyone's abilities and their tendencies are different. I love talking about how it impacts other people actively so yeah. let us know. Yeah, let us know. Write in, you guys. Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can always DM us on Instagram at Podcast, And we'll look forward to hearing about your routines, about your fitness, and about your wellness. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is just keep moving that bod. Got to take good care of her and speak kindly to her because she is getting you through this life. She, they, it, whatever you call your body. Yes. So get out there and go for a walk. Yeah. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing 
to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.